This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, a podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, and this is episode 54, which is going to be a very unusual episode. Uh, First of all, it was not planned, completely impromptu, and I was going to take up zero on this week because of faulty audio. But I managed to scrape something together literally hours before this episode is meant to go live. So let me tell you what's going on. This week's episode was supposed to be with Susan Rios, a psychoanalyst of Mixed Race Heritage. She and I have been talking for the last month or so about her coming on the show and, you know, talking about mixed race, but also talking about her field of psychoanalysis and how race has only just barely begun to be a part of the conversation in her industry. And we had this awesome conversation. Well, we've had a couple of awesome conversations, but the one that we recorded for the sake of the episode was an awesome conversation. Unfortunately, the entire episode sounds like it's underwater. Uh, I have a little bit of a clip to to share so that you can tell how bad it is. And I, well, most often I've referred to myself as Irish Puerto Rican over the years, Um, but having listened to the podcast, the content was so good, but the throughout the whole thing it's very garbled and the weird thing was when I was recording it it sounded normal to me there was only a couple patches in which it kind of sounded a little garbly which tends to happen because I record my interviews via online and sometimes bandwidth issues and other things come into play and so sometimes there is drops or garbles and, and things like that but while we were recording I didn't pick up any of that I only picked up a couple areas so in playing it back though when I was preparing this episode it is just not salvageable. It goes beyond whether or not you have talent to salvage it. Once a file is recorded poorly, it just is recorded poorly. And unfortunately, this is what happened on Skype that day. Uh, luckily, it hasn't happened to me too often. It's only happened a couple times, but it's unfortunate that we've lost such good content. But I did reach out to Susan. She's aware of it. And we are going to get back together later on in the summer to uh, re record and try to capture some of that magic back but also share this perspective which is just unique to the show we have not had this perspective yet which is what i fucking wanted to share it's unfortunate so i actually have already recorded a i'm taking the zero today kind of episode it was like an 11 minute episode in which i was bummed out about losing the file and or not losing the file but losing the chance to share the file because of the poor quality and everything like that i was also in a shitty mood most of today I got in a little bit of an argument earlier today that kind of set the tone for my whole day, but I ended up taking an accidental two-hour nap and then had an ice cream sandwich after, and my whole mood changed and I got in a better mood. So I was still going to put out a, like, this week's a fail, but we'll come back next week episode, and then my husband decided out of nowhere to finally be ready to share his mixed race story with the audience, and that's why this episode's going to be so unusual. What is unusual about it is that my husband, although ethnically of mixed race heritage, did not know that until we were um, about 17, 18 years old. 
And then I basically take the ball and run with it throughout our early adulthood, trying to figure out where his biological family, his other half of his family was so that we can learn about his other culture. So he walks through the world with a mixed race face, but a white person's experience. And it has taken me many years to come to terms with the fact that my husband identifies as white. <laughs> because I'm the mixtiest mixed person on the planet. And more than that, I am so immersed in the black side of my culture that the idea that I ended up with a white boy has always kind of been a little bit of a, let's say it's like a scratch in the back of my head. Like it, it, there are times when it bothers me that this is what happened, but it just so happens that this is the dude I fell in love with. If you've heard me on other episodes, I am bisexual and polyamorous so we have a lifestyle that affords us the opportunity to have relationships with other people romantic relationships with other people which we both have had sometimes separate sometimes shared but ultimately tree is my person he's the person that i love the most including friends and family and every other human on the planet he's the person i love the most he's the funniest person i know and He's the only person I'm comfortable living with. <laughs> and believe me, we have tried to live with other people before. We have, we have shared space with a partner before. And we've also shared space with an exchange student before. And I don't fucking like people. I don't like to live with people. I'm the weirdest polyamorous person because I hate people. And yet I don't like the restriction of one partner. Whatever. So my husband and I have been together since we were 22 years old. But we met when we were 15. And he was a friend of a really close friend of mine that I grew up with, but I moved away and came back. And that's how my husband and I met. In high school, I was not attracted to him or interested in him in that way at all. But he was the funniest person within our friend group. And he was the person that I would go home and tell my aunt, man, I wish I was attracted to Tristan because he's so funny. Like he's the funniest person I know. And I guess humor and goofiness goes a long way with me, which you'll hear later in the episode. So I've always adored him, but I just wasn't attracted to him. And then when we were about 20, 21, he had just come off of a surgery and he was playing football for our, the college that we went to. And so he like bulked up. He's still skinny, but he's like a skinny muscular. And all of a sudden I found him cute. <laughs> Whatever. I ended up eventually finding him attractive. And but by that point, he had already moved on and was interested in other people. And it took another couple years and we eventually fell for each other and we've been together ever since. But when we got together, he still viewed himself, well, he still does. He views himself as a white person. And I've always viewed him as a mixed race person from the day that I met him. I had been harassing him to try to figure out what his ethnic background was because he does not code as white. He does not look like a white person to me. He's pale, but he has a face that indicates there's something other than Anglo going on there. And it wasn't until we were 18 that we found out he had a different biological father than the brothers he grew up with, uh, that he was biologically connected to his mother, but his, the dad was his adopted dad, and that he did actually have a different biological father. So we discovered that when we were like 18, 17, 18, and then when we were about 21, 22, we actually found out what ethnicity his biological father was, which set me on a path to try to f seek out his father because I was a little disturbed that he didn't have access to his other culture, his other half of the family. And so we get into it a little bit. So this episode is me and my husband talking about his mixed race identity really through me. <laughs> uh, so I kind of force him to be mixed. 
but it was it, it was fun to record and and honestly there's a couple of little things that he said that was a little different than we've talked about before so it was interesting for me as well but before i jump over to that i gotta do my little announcements uh for those of you who don't know i launched a new show on the main hustle media podcast network called by furious with mixed girl maine it is a show that covers lgbtq plus issues from the poc perspective we have two episodes out so far so if you are interested in that kind of topic the show will cover all kinds of queer issues and polyamory mostly through the poc lens because i am a person of color so check us out there subscribe rate and review wherever you get your podcasts as you know militantly mix is a fan-sponsored podcast and with your support it really helps keep us going and growing we have recently gotten a few extra sponsors via Patreon, which has been amazing. And oh, so I'm so fucking grateful for it right now, given my current financial situation, to know that the show is going to keep going on is because people are paying for it to exist is overwhelming and really helpful. So if you'd like to sponsor the show, you can go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed. I still owe y'all the full discussion between Javi and I about the anniversary episode on Patreon. I have been working on it, but there's been a lot of life happening over the last couple of weeks. So it is a week late, but it is going to get up on Patreon soon so that the folks that sponsor the show will have access to that exclusive content. That'll be out soon. And the other way that you can sponsor the show is to go to paypal.me slash militantlymixed. And that you can kind of view that as a tip jar. Did you like the episode? Did you like what we're doing? Drop us a dollar, $5, $10, whatever you wish. It's not a commitment like Patreon. With Patreon, you are committing to a monthly sponsorship. But basically, podcasting, while it is free entertainment to receive, it's still, there's a lot of cost involved and it's something that we create because we're passionate about it. But ultimately, it is also how we would like to live. And if we can start receiving sponsorship from folks that are ingesting the entertainment, it helps us keep going and growing. Sponsorship really, really helps. So if you'd like to support us on a monthly basis, please go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed and get access to swag and exclusive or early content. And if you just want to drop us a tip and let us know that you like the content and it's speaking to you, you can go ahead and go to paypal.me slash militantlymixed. All donations are super duper helpful. Imagine if everybody who listened to the show even dropped a dollar, it would revolutionize this whole game. All right, enough of that. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. And on Facebook right now, we've got something really interesting going on that I've never done before, but we're trying it out. If you're familiar with the episode from, I believe it was late November or early December, the mostly white novel with Allison Hart. She was a guest on the show where she talked about her novel, which is about four generations of mixed race women of black, Native American, and Irish American descent. Uh, she and I talked about that last year, and then I met her in person back in January when she had a speaking engagement here in Southern California. I decided to start a summer reading club. We're only going to tackle the one book this summer. I'll pick different books for the future, but we're going to start off with Mostly White, which makes sense because Allison Hart was my first author that I've gotten to speak to on the show. We're going to cover the book in parts. So we're going to read and discuss part one over two to three weeks because it is a long section and then part two over one week and then part three over two to three weeks because it is a, another long session. And what it makes our summer reading club different from every other summer reading club I've ever heard of is that the author is actually participating in the discussion. Uh, I didn't ask her to do it. I didn't even tell her I was going to do a summer reading. I just put it up on the page and was like, yo, I want to read this book with people. I want to hear how mixed race people respond and feel about this book. So 
you know, because I had already started reading it beforehand and everything. But I'm rereading it for the sake of this thing. I'm we've got a, a few people who have signed up to participate. We were waiting for their books to arrive so that we can get started. But I think at this point, the folks who have already ordered it should have it by now. And uh, for, for those of you who are hearing about this for the first time, you still have time. We're going to leave the discussion threads on the Facebook page open for a while so you can engage throughout. And the author is going to be there to answer questions if you have it, but also to participate in the discussion. Primarily, I'm not putting the burden on her to do it. She she actually just reached out and said she wanted to do it. But I'll be leading some discussion points. And anybody who wants to participate, please go to the Facebook group on Militantly Mix and actually engage on those threads. You do you I can't pin all three of them because I don't know if Facebook allows me to do that, but you can search within the things and and you'll see there's a part one thread, a part two thread, and a part three thread. We're gonna take the whole summer to read it. So you got time. You can pace yourself. Please participate. And more than that, support a mixed race content creator. This woman wrote a book that is entirely about the mixed race experience. And more than that, it's a narrative. It's a fictional story. A fiction about mixedness. We don't have a whole lot of that going on. It's what I love about it so much. It is such a good book. There's there's pain and heartache in it. There's there's empowerment and positivity. There's a lot, a lot going on. But it follows four generations of mixed race women. And I think y'all should read it. So you can get it on Amazon. But even better if you can find an independent or local bookstore that you can order it from. That way you're putting money directly into your community. And especially if it is a person of color or a woman of color owned bookstore that's another way of investing in your community but let us know that you got the book and let's start talking about it i will put links on how you can access the book and to the facebook discussion group in the show notes this week is that everything that i have to announce i think it is everything that i have to announce but without further ado allow me to introduce you to my husband tristan All right, so my guest today, in lieu of Susan Rios, who was supposed to be my guest today, but as you heard earlier, is the file was damaged. I am going to speak with my husband. Oh, I don't call you by your name on the show. Do you want to be called by your name on the show? Tree. I call you Tree. I don't call you. You can call me Tristan. You don't mind? That's my name. I know, but like I started my show, I just talked about you. I don't tell people who you are so they don't Google you. Oh, yeah. I hate being Googled. That shit hurts. <laughs> Dumb. Dumb. All right. So today we're going to be talking with my husband, who I refer to as either Tree or Professor Tree on my various shows. He has been a guest on Blurred Comics, but today we are going to talk about his mixed ass self, which is essentially mixed non mixed. <laughs> 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 well, he, he. Well, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Tell everybody what you are, and tell them what your ethnic heritage is. Hi, my name is Trist. Uh, my name is Tree. <laughs> you can call yourself whatever you want. Um, my ethnicity is white and Middle Eastern, and yeah, specifically Palestinian specifically and German. Palestinian. I don't actually have a lot of German in me, remember? Yeah, I guess so. That's Hold true. Hold on. We can look it up. 
Oh, we're gonna we're gonna go to the ancestry.com. Ancestry. He grew up believing he was just a white kid of German ancestry, but we discovered later in life he was raised by a person that wasn't his biological father, and that his biological father was in fact Palestinian. Right. And so well, I just thought I was a white boy. Yeah, you just thought you were because white boy. my mom is white and my dad is white. And your two brothers are white? And my two brothers are white. But him and his sister my are brown. sister is brown, and I thought that her and I tanned, when, this was when I was a kid, that I thought that her and I tanned because she and I were born in Oklahoma, and my parents and everybody else was born in Texas. So I thought that's why we got brown <laughs> in the sun, and my, and my family got red and burnt and... Pink. They, and... Yeah. And skin peeled off of there, <laughs> which I always envied. What do you mean you envied it? <laughs> I wanted to be able to peel sheets of skin off of me. It's cool. so weird. It was so fun. Can we just first point out that you thought Oklahoma yes. was the place what made you brown? Yes. <laughs> I was a dumb child. <laughs> I was a very dumb child. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't have what you would call smart. <laughs> you did not have what you would call smart. So okay, wait. So this thing is telling me I Germanic actually. Yeah, I remember that it, it but it, that it also had like French and other okay, shit. So like a lot of forty-one percent Middle Eastern, twenty-six percent Germanic, eleven percent Italian, ten percent English, Welsh, and Northern Europe. Sorry, not Welsh. Uh, and then. Turkey, 7%. France, 5%. Yeah, so like most white Americans, it's a hodgepodge of whiteness. Yes. And then you got the Middle East. Only 41% Middle Eastern? Yeah, I know. That's weird because they legit think they're 100% pure Palestinians. Oh, they're from the line of the prophets. They're from the line of the prophets. (laughs) All right. So this is going to be a very strange episode because we're talking to a person of mixed race heritage who did not grow up any with any cultural connection to his heritage, but basically from adulthood has had to realize that people view him as a person of color ish. Yeah, I think that I think they just get it wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's OK to say culturally you are a white boy. I think that's even accurate. though that's hard for me to deal with. Yeah, but you love you love your white boy. <laughs> oh, I have a reputation. I know you to do. Uphold. So for a little history and background on Trey and me, we met when we were 15 years old when I moved back from Long Beach to Sacramento and started hanging out with my childhood friends. And one of them being Leonard, whose best friend happened to be. Did we say your name? I don't remember if we called you me. Back. Tree. Tree. Yeah. I don't call him Tree to his face. I call him Tree on the show, which is weird. sidekick. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. high school. I start hanging out with Leonard again, and over the course of high school, we become like the three musketeers, and we're around each other quite a bit. Yeah, and I remember seeing you for the first time and being just like, the fuck your face? Like, what is all that? (laughs) What is all all that going on with my face? Yeah, I was definitely... did I just like? I don't remember. You didn't speak to Did me for almost the entire no. That first year that we literally hung out around each other, you did not speak to me. Yeah, it's called fear. <laughs> <laughs> Charmaine put off a very uh, 
don't come talk to me vibe. <laughs> but I was hanging out with you. Yeah. Yeah, you okay. Were, you were sitting in the cafeteria. That's not hanging All out. All right, sure. Yeah. But eventually we end up having a class together, and that's why we started. Yeah, because I sat next to you. Yeah, because I was so cute. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and mysterious. I was very mysterious. I wore sunglasses in and high school. fuchsia lipstick. Oh, my. So my mom gave me fuchsia lipstick. No, I had that's... a thing for that fuchsia lipstick. You liked it? You've been making fun of me for that of course. lipstick forever. I was just joking. Oh, Jesus. All right. Charmaine can't tell when I'm lying or not, y'all. Yeah. After <laughs> 29 years, I still can't figure out when he's lying. I the first thing I remember oh, the first I time meant mixed girl Maine can't. No, I'm Charmaine. I'm oh, Charmaine, you're Charmaine, aka mixed girl Maine. Oh, okay, Charmaine. You're the only one whose identity I protect because you didn't sign up for this job. I did. Oh, I don't need I'm protection. respectful of your protection. I'm trusted. <laughs> so in high school, I remember, if not one of our first conversations, definitely an early conversation, which I asked you what you were. Because as a mixed person, I'm always trying to figure out what people are. And you didn't look like a white boy. And you told me you were white. And I told you, no, you're not. And you got it wrong. <laughs> no, I didn't. I got it right. It's a very interesting question whether you whether, whether or not I you got right. it right. I because mean, I, I'm, it's not like I have any ties whatsoever to my Middle Eastern ethnicity. I have zero ties. Right. But when mm. I was talking to you, I was going off of your face. Yeah. And your face was telling me you were not a white boy. But does a person's face tell their race? I mean, in my case, it doesn't because what race would I be? It's, it's definitely not. I'm very <laughs> racially ambiguous, but you looked it's like you were science. not white. Yeah, but I am. I mean, yeah, I basically understood that you were half white and half something else, and you were just closed-lipped about it. And then I finally meet your mom, and his mom's a regular old white lady, and I'm like, all right, so is dad something? She's anything but regular, but okay. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then I go, I finally meet your dad, and I'm like, all right, your dad's white, but you and your sister are brown, you and your sister are adopted, and nobody told you. That's what I decided. Yeah, you nailed all that. I basically decided you were adopted and or switched at birth, and, and nobody told you. And I did not know at this point that I was adopted. My <laughs> sister knew, and she had been keeping it secret, but my parents decided not to tell me. I think they thought you knew. How? Because your sister got mad at you and told you when you were 12, and you forgot. No, I don't, I don't think that happened until later. No, she said you were 12. And your brother was 11. Yeah, but I didn't trust my sister to disseminate truthful information in a fit of rage. She she, Got she it. said that in a fit of rage, and so I didn't believe her at that time. And so all throughout high school, I'm asking you, what race are you? What race are you? What race are you? I'm actually arguing with you about you not being a white person yeah. and saying that you have it wrong. Because yeah. I'm mixed, and I'm the fucking mixed expert, and I see mixed, and I know you mixed. You was an expert all the way back then. <laughs> I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I sniffed it out. And it wasn't until we were, were we actually in senior year, or we were in first year in college, where you and I are together, and you go, oh, what did you say to me? You were like, oh, guess what? You know what? I am something else, or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were like, your mom had slipped it out some kind of way. No, so blew up again at some point and said and said it and then i got in an argument with my dad and and i said 
Well, that was years later, though. That was after we already knew. The time you got in the argument with your dad, you and I already knew. Nope. This is how I found out. I said to my dad, you're not even my real dad, as a shot in the dark. And he said... Oh, this is a different fight. Said, yeah, this is a different fight. He said, um, the way you're acting right now, I wouldn't want to be. Right. And that's when I realized for the first time, oh... And then I think I found a birth certificate, an adoption certificate from him mm. in the safe when I was looking for his gun. Because um, uh, guns are cool. Why were you looking guy. for his gun? There's, there doesn't need to be any further questions okay. about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It definitely wasn't a suicide attempt or anything like that. It was just looking for a gun. <laughs> Why did you say it that way? Now I think it was. <laughs> well, it was a failed attempt then. <laughs> it wasn't. It was just guns are cool. I wanted to see his Beretta. And so you discovered the adoption papers then? Yeah. Do you remember how old you were? Because definitely yeah, in high school. 17? But at some point you and I had the discussion where you clarified, you discovered, you did have a different biological yeah. father. But at that point we still didn't even know what race no. your father was. My mom didn't know. Like my mom used to tell me about this guy who knew judo and always drank milk. And <laughs> that they were at a bar one day and some people were like messing with him and he could have beat them all up but he walked away this was like the lesson i got from my mom when i was like little kid she told this story all the time that was the only story she told of so she would tell him. you a story of your father without telling you it was your father father without yeah and that's why i got put in judo um that's weird that she was he, trying to make ways to connect you to he him. was in the olympics, olympics for, for judo for kuwait right but um so she thought he was kuwaiti and so i had been going around probably for years saying i was half kuwaiti right when it finally came out just, casually yeah that your father was of arabic descent kuwait was the country he was from yeah so we taught we would say you were kuwaiti at that point to people who identified you as non-white or mixed or something like that yeah and including at the time i had a really close friend that was arabic too and so their family validated your face <laughs> by saying you had kuwaiti eyes yeah and they got it wrong too. they got it wrong also it's not until years later that I we're together at this point and I start looking for him. Your sister tells me as we're about to leave uh, her house, she shows me his name and his phone number. Yeah. And so I start looking, look him up, looking him up and we end up finding him. And so we eventually did meet him and everything like that. And that's actually it's because of the way I found him. I, when I did research, I discovered that he was actually from Palestine and not from Kuwait, that he was a refugee to Kuwait as a child. Right. And so now we have, we already learned you're a different race, and then we learned you were a different different race. Not race, nationality. Eth ethnicity. Nationality? I mean, we're talking about Kuwait and Palestine. Yeah, but they, they consider themselves different. Races? I mean, yeah, they're all of Arabic descent, but there's this See, difference. this is how little I know of this stuff. Yeah, he's not. Just... He's not into it dumb, either. Dumb. And you don't do any kind of exploration into it either. Like, it's not your deal. I have no interest in these type of things. I have interest in the philosophy of space and time and mathematics and shit like that. And then you and end up devoting your life to the most mixed and racially focused person on the planet. Yes, devoted. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> 
you okay? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. But it just hasn't... Maybe it's that white in me. It just hasn't impacted me at all. Well, yeah, I think it's it is like, the white with you. And honestly, like you growing up walking around with two white parents until you come across someone like me, no one probably ever confronted you on this issue at all. Like you have any childhood memories of someone saying, what are your kids? Zero. My dad didn't know what I was. I know. That's so, so my crazy. my dad and my brother both fought in wars you the know, Gulf right? War yeah, and the, the second Gulf War. War. And so they don't like Middle Eastern people. Nope. They, and I remember my dad saying some like, basically saying racist shit. And they were talking about people that had the same ethnicity as me. Mm-hmm. And it hurt me, but it later on, like reflecting, it was like, I'm really not those people i'm genetically linked to them but i have no cultural ties to them whatsoever yeah but so there's also weird something weird of... about racism where well, yeah, are we mad racism... at the culture of a person or are we matter are we mad at the skin what and... i'm saying is i didn't feel attacked but i think i pretended to feel attacked i see like they weren't they definitely weren't attacking me but because I had the same ethnicity, I felt like part of that group when I really am not. I mean, you are, you're not, you're not, you I'm, don't have connection, tied. you're genetically tied or whatever. And I still think it's fair to be concerned about racism to groups oh. that you're genetically tied to, even if you're not. I, I mean, we should be concerned about genetic groups we're not tied to as well. well I'm really a- worried about out-group bias type stuff. But the reason why I say it's specific to the ones you're tied to is because these are people you're living with who have actually been involved in wars against people who are yeah, people of who the same like ethnic me. group of you. So what does that mean for them when they, even though they love you as their son and their brother, what does that mean for them in these racist moments? Where would eventually their loyalties go? You yeah. as their child and brother or yeah, you see, this is as a person of, those, of Middle Eastern descent? This is one of those things I was thinking about, though. Is it that they're – see, like what race is is so nebulous and unclearly defined, right? Mm-hmm. In mathematics, shit is just perfectly defined, It's right? But But race is just not clearly defined. It's some sort of combination of ethnicity and cultural – I'm not sure what the fuck it is. Yeah. But it seemed to me that they weren't, that my dad and brother weren't like hating on my ethnicity. Yeah. Right? Otherwise they would hate me, but they love me. So they must have been hating on the culture or some other, I mean, they went to war. So they're filled with propaganda against these people. Right. Right. You can't. You can't love your enemy and still want to kill them or harm them or condone yeah. that stuff. So, so I th- I think sometimes what people hate about or hate about other people or or is viewed as racism is really about the culture is as a culturalism culturism. Not, well, maybe not the ethnicity. It, I don't hate your ethnicity. I hate your culture. Well, I think in particular in your case, because you are a paler version of a <laughs> Middle Eastern person. That's because like, I stay out the sun. Um, that you, while you do code Middle Eastern in your face, your skin tone is a lot lighter. And you've never seen me tan, huh? No, I've seen you darker. Tan, tan. No, I have. We should do. But it what I'm, I, you should. <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is that for them. 
it's less about skin tone also because you don't you're not as dark as full middle eastern folks or majority middle eastern folks or whatever but like a racist person who's against a black person it is a combination of what they look like and possibly culture or I, or it is just what they look like in some cases Ra- like i think racism yeah. is very weird yeah it's very it weird. just depends on whatever is the random ass thing you've decided to hate and i yeah. think i'm not saying it's not tied to ethnicity at all yeah it's definitely tied to an insert like you know like we we talk about like eminem right he's culturally black He's got a lot of cultural black influences in him. Right. You would never call him black, though. No. Ever. I mean, because he's not he mixed. Ha- he and... does, it doesn't matter how much, well, maybe, like, how much, if he does have any roots in Africa, like, if he has any ethnicity that is, he's still. He's still white, yeah. Widely, like, not going to consider him black. Yeah. So, obviously, a race has something to something do with Something to, to do with it. Like in my case, because I have facial features that are linked to my black side, even though I'm yellow, black people te- can tell I'm black and yeah. they treat me like I am black, even though I'm lighter skinned. Yeah. I See, I think of you as half black, half Japanese. Yeah. Because you have... The you, cultural You have ethnicity in both, large amount. And you have the cultural upbringing of both. Yeah. And so it makes 100%. And you do have some British upbringing, but but it's just tea. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, tea's the big thing that I carry, but there's different things. There's humor yeah. and, and stuff like that, but too. But I have, I mean, I grew up in England. A yeah. Large, so... Which I kind of think of us both as as British because I have a British family member that turned me that way and you grew up there yeah even though you don't have the ethnic t- yeah. not necessarily you don't have the i have 10 percent. but you weren't raised thinking of yourself as english no. you were raised thinking of yourself as american living in england and yeah because we fought the english <laughs> little kids we hated them and they hated us they were bad guys i thought that when we got to america because in england when i was growing up right we lived on a on a military uh, American military base, and it was like Americans versus English. Mm-hmm. So I thought when we got to America, it would be like, oh yeah, harmony because we're all Americans. Mm-hmm. And then I got here and got headbutted by the first American that thought I had a quote unquote faggy British accent. Excellent. Yes. So yeah, I got a lot more fights here than there. <laughs> you you can win. You're you're yanking and. England and here because yeah, I had the accent, man. <laughs> get that accent out. It's funny too. I make fun of him because he's got the worst British accent Cannot ever, and he grew up there. <laughs> Cannot do a British accent, but it obviously influenced you in some kind of way that someone detected your accent when you were a kid. When I was a kid, I had the accent thick. That's how I talked. Everybody talked that way. But your videos, I saw your kid videos. You didn't sound like a Brit there. You sounded like an American kid. Did I? Did I? We could go back to those videos. <laughs> got to break out the VHS. Your brother, though, with the one pence, two pence, please, mommy. Yeah. He definitely sounded like, but he was a lot younger than you. Yeah. So I guess what's kind of weird about us is that I force you to have 
to not force, but just by nature of who I am and the things I talk about, you're kind of in positions to talk about race or think about race. Yeah, we talk about it a lot. And uh, it is important to me. It's just not important to me. It's important, like, in terms of into social the war, justice, social world, yeah. But my life has been impacted almost nothing compared to what I've seen other people's lives impacted by their race. I can't, I can't think of a single time I have overtly been uh the victim of racism i can't think of a single time where i saw it happen and you and i disagree about that one case right even if that case happened it's still negligible. it didn't affect you the I way i went to the i went to the airport i had a beard at the time Full which beard. does make me look a little more middle eastern mm-hmm. i also had a shirt on that said thank god i'm an atheist right and I right, got, there's a couple of reasons why you were I randomly selected. And I said, "What? Like, why was I stopped?" And he says, "Just random selection." And for all I know, it was. I cannot tell. My initial reaction to him being randomly selected at the airport was that he was Middle Eastern looking because he definitely looked. He definitely looks Middle Eastern to me, but also especially when he's full, fully bearded. But I forgot about the Thank God I'm an Atheist shirt. That probably has something to do with it, too. (laughs) But I viewed that as a racist moment, and you viewed it as a random selection, which is is, it's moments like that that reminds me you're white because I stare at you and I don't think of you as a white person. The biggest indicator that I'm white is the way you and I both reacted to Get Out. (laughs) Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Because <laughs> that that changed that that was a hard hit for me. Yeah. So because that's, that's of when she knew she was married to a white man. I haven't thought of you. I've never thought of you as white, even though I know your family and everything like that. And I grew up around you. I don't think of you as white. Plus, you grew up around black kids. We all had the same friends, and I just thought of you as a mixed kid. Yeah. Well, Amanda Seals like makes a distinction between a white person and somebody who happens to be white. Right. I definitely don't cape for being white. Yeah. When flash forward all these years and we're watching Get Out, we've now been together at this point probably 15, 16 years. Yeah. Plus, we've known each other since we were 15. Yeah. And we get to the end of Get Out. And I know about police brutality. I follow. I understand that it's a problem. And- but when that, when cop, that car, cop pulled up, I was relieved. I was like, oh, thank God the cops are here. And I was like, oh, no. The cops are here. <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and we discovered that in conversation after, right? Yeah. And I was stressed out in that moment. It's the brilliance of that movie, man. That movie made us have a conversation that, I don't think we even realized we never had, or at least I didn't realize we had never had it. Yeah. I guess because of my experience with the police growing up in Long Beach, being a mixed black kid, I, I view the police as a danger to me and my folks. Yeah. So when that cop car pops up and I go, oh no, and you feel relief, I feel like you and I don't speak the same language in that moment. Like, I don't understand how to get through that moment with you because I was just like, oh, fuck. I married a white dude. Yeah. And until that moment, I never knew you were white. Just completely different experiences. I got that's white privilege. I have no fear of the cops. I'm definitely more aware of your white privilege things now because of that. But I legit never realized it before it was insane that it took that long for me to pick up on it yeah because i just decided there's no way that me 
<laughs> that I would end up with a white person. You just happened to be the one that I fell for after months and months of us driving to school together. Yeah. But yeah, that that was actually a pretty big deal, I think, because it pointed out the differences between us. And there's times like I, I've I've come to the point that I've started to admit it, but before I didn't used to admit it that in black spaces sometimes I'm really aware of you all of a sudden, like oh shit, I ended up with a white dude when we were at Smart Funny and Black. Yeah, so I've played this clip on the show before. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. So um, for those of you who haven't heard this episode, I played a clip from when uh, Trey and I went to. Smart, Funny, and Black, which is a comedy show that's put on by Amanda Seals. At the time we used to go, it was a local show at a small comedy joint. Now it's this nationwide tour thing or whatever, which we can never afford to get tickets for anymore. But we used to go for 10 bucks. (laughs) We used to go for 10 bucks a show. And one time Amanda gets up on stage and she says, "Uh, we're going to do this exercise or whatever. Can I get a white person to come on stage? And there's there's always a couple white people in the audience, but nobody raised their hand. So Tree raises his hand. He gets pulled up, and as soon as he gets on stage, she says, Excuse me, sir, are you a white man? Because she sees it in his face the the same way I see it. And I felt so fucking validated in that moment that I've been telling you your whole goddamn life that you did not code as white. And I just like excitedly jumped up and started screaming, I fucking told you. Thank you. I've been telling them that shit his whole life. But y'all were both wrong. But I'm telling you, your <laughs> I, face tells a story that your experience doesn't. Yeah, I know. And so she looks at him and says that he can't be the person for this experiment because while he may think of himself as white, the world sees him differently. Yeah, and And so she, she dismissed him from the stage. <laughs> 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 and he didn't get to participate in the stage thing. So he comes and sits Not back down. Not before I got a hug from Wayne Brady, You though. did get a hug from Wayne Brady. Yep. And so for me, that was a big moment because that was because for me, always telling you that you don't look white, I don't think meant anything to you until finally somebody else saw you the way I saw you. Yeah. But you were disappointed that you didn't get to participate in the moment. Yeah, I wanted to play. It was fun. <laughs> fucking Wayne Brady up there. He's going to sing to me. Yeah, that, that would have been, been fun. But it's. It's just, I just like, even after all these years with you, there's times I just don't understand how you are the way that you are well, looking the way that you look. Yeah. Well, I don't do any of the things. Like, you talk about code switching. I don't code switch ever. That's true. You don't. I never, yeah, I never do. You don't have any basis for it. Like, even if, like, the only way you could really code switch is if you did it in a very culturally appropriating type of way because like you grew up around black kids if all of a sudden you started doing you know stereotypical things you'd be it wouldn't come from a real place so yeah you don't have any code switch you don't even code switch in like a professional to regular no tree like you don't do that at all you're inappropriate across the board across the board inappropriate <laughs> he is a t- he is a college professor, a molder of young minds, and he is always inappropriate. I have curbed my inappropriateness more and more over the years, though. But it's usually triggered off an event. Usually, something is the thing that makes you start to shift. Because other than that, you don't like authority. Yeah. You don't like to be told to behave a certain way. I hate authority. And so, when something happens, that Which you, be- you would think I should hate the cops, but. Right. Yeah, you are so backwards. It's not it's it's abuse of authority that I hate. Right. It's not just authority. I recognize authorities over me, but I don't 
like it when people think they have more power over you than they actually do. But I think also in general, you think there are some professional guidelines that you do think is a an over extension of authority in terms of codes of conduct and behavior and stuff like that. Yeah. But there's times that say a student is triggered by something you say and it's brought up to you, oh, maybe I am supposed to be more whatever. And you've made adjustments that way, but you don't like it. Well, like at Porterville, it was cussing. They wanted yeah. me to. They wanted me to stop cussing in class in a public like, institution. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, well, that's who the fuck I am. Right. And you've done research on on using cussing in classrooms to yeah. make students pay attention. Yeah. You also know the research about intelligence levels and things like it's that. It's simple vocabulary. To- you learn more words, you got a better vocabulary. Right. You're afraid to say some fucking words? Get out of here. That shit's <laughs> nonsense. But it's it's been strange. And I think over the course, like you tell me what you think, because over the course of this last year, as I've probably talked about race more than I ever have, even though it's pretty much always been my deal. It hasn't changed much as far as I'm concerned. You don't notice a difference? Nope. You, you've you been talking about race since we were 15. That's true. I guess so. it has always been a topic of conversation for us. Yeah, it I guess so. It has never not been. Never That's not been. That's why this is fun for you. But why? The, what I don't it's understand is how today. did it take so long for me to pick up on you being white? <laughs> Again, because I don't think race is clearly defined. And people see ethnicity first, right? Yeah. And they don't get the whole story. I mean, I had a student who, she she's Indian, born in India, but raised, adopted like I was by white people. Right. And she is white. She's transracial. She's transracial. But, but even that doesn't actually make sense to me. She's just ethnic. She's ethnically one thing. But culturally but another. But culturally something completely different. But I guess, again, because... You have to have the ethnic component mm-hmm. in order to be viewed. She would never be viewed as white, even though, like, like I imagine every... her close social circle kind of thinks of her as white. Yeah, but whereas someone like me, who code switches on a regular basis, has a racially ambiguous face, I have a show called Militantly Mixed. It's about mixed raceness, and yet I don't have a definable race. Like, my skin color, my face doesn't code any particular race. And it really depends on what someone's expectations of me when they look at me that determines what they think my race is. Yeah, people are just guessing when they come. Yeah, they're just guessing. Like I said, when I first saw you, I was like, what the fuck is all that? (laughs) How did you... (laughs) You've never said it to me like that before. It's nonsense. Stick to one thing. I'm <laughs> to one thing. Pick a lane, girl. Um, but, but like you, there's only a few different ethnic groups that people think you are. They usually think you're like Yugoslavian because at the time we had a lot of Yugoslavians on the Kings basketball team. Yeah. Peja Stojakovic and Vladi Divac. I thought I was Jewish. People thought for you were Jewish. Time. I thought you were Jewish. So it's mostly like Eastern European. Or Middle Eastern as the options. Yeah. When I started to actually hang out with more Middle Eastern folks, if they would see a picture of you, first thing they would say to me is, is he Middle Eastern? Mm. I had, I even had a Persian friend who, first thing she said to me was, is he Persian? I was like, no, he's he's half Arabic. And she's like, oh, sure, because he looks Persian. I was like, but the other half is white. She was like, oh, okay, now that makes sense. Because you're coloring for yeah. her coded closer to Persian than Middle Eastern. And so, like, now I think... 
I don't think people, I think people are probably more surprised that your last name doesn't reflect that you're Middle Eastern than, yeah. but I think just by looking at you, people would accept it. And I think especially now that as you've gotten older, you've looked to me more and more Middle Eastern than. Hmm. I honestly don't know. I can't. Yeah. I just, I just see a white boy in the mirror. <laughs> you see a white boy in the mirror? I don't really. I d- but can you at least detect the things that course. people are saying about of you? Of course, like I see my ethnicity in my in my face, but again, it's just never ever been an issue for me in any way. What about when we saw a- your half brother for the first time on the Palestinian side? Because you you look a vaguely like your biological father, but not enough coloring, probably more than anything. But when you saw your half brother for the first time, and you guys look a lot alike. Did that do anything to you? Nope. It really didn't, did it? He's he's like the spit of me too. Because you guys look so no, but the not fuck even of... just that, right? He's well. What is see, he's full? He's full. He's they're full actually they're fa- they're both of their parents are from the same relatively the same villages and yeah. things like that. So hundred percent Palestinian. Yeah, but he he has pretty much the same skin tone as I do. You've got right? very similar skin tones, except for his is probably a little bit more olivey. Yeah. Where yours has a little bit of pink in, in it, er, a bit. Pink? You got a little bit of pink in your face and stuff. Okay. But your physical shape, like your body, yeah. even though you're taller, your body is very similar. Honestly, that stuff didn't do anything Your face me. looks so similar. It just didn't. I, I mean, I was expecting to see somebody who looks similar to me. I'm looking at... I'm going to see my biological father and siblings yeah i if they didn't look anything like me that would have been weird yeah i expected similarities because you don't have but because you don't have any physical similarities with your white side yeah like your brothers don't look you guys don't look like or anything like that yeah for me the experience was probably far bigger of a deal than for you. you it was a huge thing for you honestly part of it was like i think you really wanted to meet them and I could have cared less. Right. When I gave you the information to to decide if you wanted to see him, I wasn't telling you to contact I, necessarily. I was saying I found him so that if you wanted to learn, you could. Yeah. Because so, up until that point, it had been kept from you. And yeah. I thought I, I personally had a problem with that information being kept from you and you not being raised. Yeah. Well, with for access. me, those like uh, the big issue was. And I think a lot of adopted people feel this way is when you're raised by somebody your whole life and they've been good to you your whole life, it feels almost like a betrayal to even want to even be curious about your biological father who had zero impact in my life for the majority of my life. Had you been fully abandoned, I would have agreed with that. Thought and thought, yeah, we never have to find them. But because your mother had told me she had said that unless basically he changed his religion and married her, you weren't going to be a part of his life. I felt that, and because I knew he continued to contact your mother for a couple of years after you were born, it made me feel like that was something that was robbed of both of you. And that's why I had, that's part of why I had so much curiosity. It's probably not unrealistic to think my curiosity like deep down had a lot to do with please validate for me that he is a mixed person you know there's probably some of that too when we did meet him the big deal for me was was kind of the some of the stuff that he was talking about like culturally the things you would have had access to that you missed out on and because culture is such a big deal in my family i felt 
a kind of way about it. Like I did feel that you were robbed of, of sort of richness of culture, access to food, you know, all kinds of different things that you didn't grow up around. Yeah, sure. Um, language, things like that. Yeah. When we met your half siblings, but though, I probably also would have been being taught Islam and Christianity at the same time. Which probably would have been probably would have been healthier for, me, for you. Just being taught Christianity was yeah. a nightmare. But when we finally met your half siblings, though, the big deal there was to, was just seeing that you were similar to some people. Yeah, because they they're fun. I mean, they're funny. They're great. They're really sweet too. They are more a match in personality to you from my experience of you than your brothers you grew up around. Like mm. they seem more like you to me than the ones that we know well maybe and and for me it was just like for me who don't have people who look like me running around the planet it was exciting to see people who looked just the fuck like you yeah like that was really weird for me i loved it i loved all those things that i loved learning how powerful genetics were in comparison to nurture where yeah. you were concerned because there were so many fucking similarities yeah it was pretty cool so for me, that was an experience. But and all I really cared about was, do you got heart disease? Do you got... <laughs> like, why do I have bad knees? <laughs> yeah. But there were genetic things that we learned, like you all had that same jaw situation. No, they've got overbites. Oh, they got the flip they've of yours. They've got underbites and I've got overbites. But you both, you all need the same solution to fix the, pro the, the problem. A reverse solution, yeah. Yeah, and then your knees and things like that were were similar to and I, I will say after all these years with hindsight it probably was a completely selfish endeavor on my part because i had so much curiosity and you didn't you were wildly you were the impetus so to all of it curious because right now if you weren't here do you think i would have ever found my biological no. no you probably wouldn't have never even asked your sister for his name i never would have i never even cared. as she was looking for her biological father you didn't have cur curiosity i have zero care my dad's my dad. That's the guy I love. He's well, that's what I love me. about your distinction, too, is that you have a biological father and you get a dad. Yeah. And your dad is the guy who you yeah, love. he's awesome. And when your biological father does get into these moods where he is like, you know. <laughs> he wants, he he wants, wants somebody to you call to be his son. Father's Day. You can't possibly be his son because you don't know him that no, way. He's no. just a guy you share genetics with. Yeah. And that's a different experience for me because in my case, I did was raised around both of my parents, maybe not always together or at the same time, but I can't deny their influences. And I can tell when I'm like my dad and when I'm like my mom, like I can see throughout my personality where they are. Yeah, sure. And getting a chance to finally, like you are such an anomaly in your family to me. Like, also. you don't seem like them. Like, their sense of humor is different. You're always, what? like, the, no. the one that's different for no. me. They are, we, are, we have very I mean, your your brother, your youngest brother is hella funny, but Brandon's to me hilarious. in a totally different way than you are. He's, yeah, I don't know about that. He's definitely hilarious. My dad is funny, too. Your dad is funny, but he's, he's got like, a good sense of humor. your dad's funny, it speaks directly to me. Like, yeah. he's a mean funny. You're not necessarily a mean funny, but you find mean funny funny. Yeah, I do. I, yeah, I don't think being mean is fun. I, but I like, I like the way your dad is funny. But, like, your half-brother on yeah. the other side is very similar to us in, in sense of humor. And so there were things for me that were just clicking a bunch of times. Yeah. And probably because I needed it to, but there were things that backed up my feeling. 
<laughs> yeah. My very selfish feelings to force you to be a mixed person. <laughs> <laughs> but still, even as we're sitting here talking, like, we're just on different sides of the thing. Like, it's so weird. Even all these years we've been together, it's always weird to talk to you about this stuff because you seem so disconnected to it. And it is everything to me. Yeah, no, I don't. I just can't. It Again, though, it hasn't affected me. Yeah. I just haven't seen anybody ever discriminate against me. I haven't seen. I'm not saying that shit doesn't happen. Obviously, that shit happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. Just I've never seen it happen to me. So I've never really been like worried about my race or needed to con- concern myself about how I present to people or anything like that. I just I just be me and I've it's been fine for me which is privileges. It's a lot of privilege because even in your like when you were a teenager and you guys would, you know, fuck around and do vandalism and things like that and that you have that one story about being stopped by the cops. Yeah. Your your situation and every time me and my friends got stopped by the cops when I was in Long Beach, our stories are different. But we had you had me, a black kids, three black kids, Asian kids, one white kid and one Asian kid. And you all made it home safe, and that fucking baffles the shit out of me. We, yeah, well, so why did we make it home safe? Could it just be that, I mean, maybe it was a military town, and so people were used to people of all different races? We hadn't really done anything. They didn't see us do anything, right? They didn't see you. They they didn't catch you in the act of anything? Also, it's Sacramento, you I know? mean, Sacramento, there's people brut- police brutality there, too, but I don't yeah. understand. It's such so different because my dynamic was getting picked up by the police, all the black kids going to the Mexican neighborhood, getting dropped off and getting beat the fuck yeah. up, and me going home so, because I was pale. But this is, I mean, you're generalizing across all police. Yeah, I know. All police don't behave the same way. Some of them are actually trying to be good people. They they didn't yeah, have anything. Yes, it just makes me uncomfortable to even say that. We could have got stopped by a different couple of cops, right? And, and some bad shit could have gone down, right? Because there were more black kids in your circle than there were white kids in your circle. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. You, just our experiences are so different that there's times when I feel like like you have some naivety about the way police are, and I think you look at me as having naivety about how the police are. I don't are. have naivety about how police are but i don't generalize to all the police i i watched i've seen police shoot fucking black people for no fucking reason i know that shit's out there i know that tons and tons of well everybody is uh is moved by their own biases their implicit biases and so on Mm -hmm. and that when they have really negative attitudes towards certain groups of people that they're going to those implicit biases are going to come out they're going to harm people that they shouldn't be harming i'm i i know that shit's out there i don't like i'm not ignoring any Mm -hmm. of that stuff this has never happened to me i've never seen it live i've never seen it in person um, but I know it's out there and I know it's bad. And I know that we need to be working against it. I will say that there's I been don't... a shift with you though, where there was a time when I would react to something related to the police and you'd be, you would tell me to kind of relax or calm down. Whereas now you get as angry as me in almost every situation. It's nonstop now. Yeah. Well, 
the news is finally sure. available about sure. it. And I didn't have, yeah, I didn't have. You didn't have the same access to seeing that kind of stuff that I saw. Yeah. Whereas I grew up in Long Beach during the the crazy reign of the LAPD yeah. and, you know, Daryl Gates and shit like that. Yeah. So it is different. Well, okay. This is going to be a tough one. And I'm really curious to see what you would say because I've never asked you the question. But the way I end every show is that I ask my guests, what do they love most about being mixed? You know what? You're going to laugh at this is that. There's so many, <laughs> there's so many, there's so much disdain right now for white people. Mm-hmm. And so I can actually hide in my mixedness and be like, <laughs> well, I'm not white. <laughs> no, but that makes sense. <laughs> Look at my face. You're like, thank goodness Charmaine figured out I was mixed, so I don't have to be white right now. I I I think if like there's times where yeah, that I actually don't mind that. <laughs> but it's uh, it's so hypocritical on my side. It is, but I'm, I'll but allow it. But just because I have this ethnicity that puts me in in a like a you're not just white. Right. Then I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. There's been times where I'm just like, well, I'm glad people don't view me as just white. Right. Because, yeah. Honestly, and I think you would agree with me, if you presented more white than you do, you and I never would have been a thing, no matter how funny you are. No, my sense of humor would have won you over no matter what. I mean, you're you're funny and shit, but it has to do with the way you the I'm way Ryan you look. Ryan Reynolds level goofy baby, and you swoon for that. Shit. I don't swoon for him. I like him. I think, and I like a goofy dude. I Charmaine am attracted to a goofy swoons dude. But for would goofy. would I have dedicated my life to a white boy <laughs> who presented white? Don't think so. Yeah. Like, it's a combination of you having an ambiguous face and that you were funny as fuck. But you didn't find me attractive from the get-go. I didn't find you attractive when we were in school. only my sense of humor. No, I loved you to death because of your sense of humor, but you were not in the realm of fuckability until you got muscular. Yeah. (laughs) But those muscles would have been on a white boy, too. Maybe. Like, honestly, if you were blonde and blue-eyed, it never would have happened. No, that would have. I don't think how funny. But that's because you have a weird anti-fetish for... I have an anti-fetish for blonde. I just, I don't find it attractive. I don't find pale skin attractive. So the fact that you can tan, that you look non-white to me is a part of it, I think. But you just also happen to be the funniest person that... You've met so far. I mean, not the funniest person I've met so far, maybe. Oh, yeah. But, like, the funniest person I've known for the longest amount of time? So that's just, there's only one person in that category. (laughs) I know. All right, well, how was it? That was fun. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast, produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, The One. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantlymixed for a one-time only donation. 
And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.